you, Mickey, for that introduction. You guys are always too kind to me in, in many ways. So I want to remind us as we gather that we are carrying a torch that was lit last night. Uh, before you went to bed, churches were gathering in the South Pacific, in New Zealand, Australia, Vanuatu, lifting up the name of Jesus in those places. And as we went to sleep last night, the song of praise moved west, a song being lifted up in Thai, Vietnamese, Mandarin, Malay, Bahasa. And the night progressed, and the song went on into Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, German, French, and, and uh, Swahili, Tigrinya, Amharic, the African plain. That just, it came across the globe. As we awaken this morning, we're getting that torch from our brothers and sisters before us and having our piece of the song that will go on after us to other parts of our continent. So I hope you have that global view in mind because we are part of the Lord's global worldwide church and kingdom. And we get to be part of this movement that happens uh, every Saturday and Sunday uh, around the world. So thank you for that, your part in that. I want to begin with a, a maybe personal question, maybe not, but when was the last time you had your favorite dessert made from scratch? Maybe yesterday, someone told me between services that they had it yesterday from their wife. Um, that's a really sweet moment, isn't it? Your favorite dessert put together for you. I had a birthday, like I do each August, actually. It's an annual thing, um, in fact. And my, my lovely wife and middle child, Alyssa, and my wife, Holly, made me an Italian cream cake. Even the icing was from scratch, you guys. Like, I can close my eyes I can still taste it. It was so good and rich and creamy, and I felt so loved as the number of age ticked up a year for me. Um, I felt that celebration, uh, and, and that was a very good moment for, for our family. Um, so I want to offer that as an invitation into missions as coming to the table. We think about missions often as sending, and it is, and going, and it can be, but I want to frame mission today as mission as an invitation. And the Holy Spirit gets a grand slam, because I didn't work with Kyle on any of this. The Spirit kind of did this. But, but the framing text I bring is Psalm 34.8. The first song we sang was from that, that psalm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. In Hebrew, when you have two imperatives in parallel, you can actually translate it as taste so that you can see. The first one sets up the second one and gives it emphasis. So you can say, taste of the Lord to see and know and perceive that he is good. And that little word good can mean so many things. Beautiful, like a sunset. Right, like justice. Working properly, like, like nature and the seasons and weather. It can be sweet and precious, like a newborn baby. The Lord is, is all those things and more. He is good. And we need that goodness in our lives. The world needs to know there is a source of this kind of goodness. The world, I think, is hungry for that. So I hope that you are hungry today because I came preparing the table for missions as a four-course meal. And before we get there, the invitation is to come to the table and taste and see the Lord is very, so very good to each of us. And so each meal begins with an appetizer. That's the place you start. And today's appetizer is a promise of Jesus from Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Are you hungry for something more than the world offers? Are you satisfied with what the world gives you? Jesus says, if you will turn your life toward me, make a decision to orient your energy, your time, your money, your direction toward me, I will satisfy those desires. I will fill you with the good things I offer in my kingdom. So we decide at first to to make that choice of allegiance in our hearts to turn toward Jesus and have that hunger projected onto him and that thirst on him, not on things of the world. Things of the world can make you, that hunger go away for a time, but then it, it returns, right? Pleasure and money, those things are temporary and satisfy us for the moment, but the next morning, the next week, the next month, the hunger returns again. Only in Jesus is that hunger fully satisfied uh, for life and forever. So that begins our appetizer with this promise of Jesus. Well, and after the appetizer, we have a salad that comes out, and the salad is a bit of a problem because the salad is a bit tart. The dressing is kind of bitter. Some of the herbs are just a little bit strong. And this problem after the promise is we are not perfect people. We are sinful and flawed and selfish Brooke, we're all kind of a mess. If I look deep inside myself, I don't like what I see often. Some places that need attention, that need to be cleaned and to be given to Jesus to purify. Um, and so we see that we are not uh, able to do all that it takes. And we aren't able to bat a thousand, so to speak, on this thing. And so we, we come knowing that we have fallen short, that the world is a place of pain and brokenness and tragedy. And yet there is a solution to the problem. That becomes the main course of Jesus himself as the one who becomes the problem solution, each of our hearts. Jesus is at least five things. He's more than these things, but he is, he is supreme. Colossians 1 says he is the image of the invisible God. That word means icon. He represents the Father from heaven. He put that into flesh, and Jesus is the image of God. He's the firstborn over all creation, it says in that same text, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the high priest. Hebrews 2.14 says he is the one who came to become the once for all sacrifice. They were having atonement days every year. Animals were slaughtered and blood was poured out. And they did this annually as a tradition of forgiveness. And Jesus came to be that once for all high priest. There's no longer need for sacrifice because he became the ultimate sacrifice for humanity. Um, He is the incarnate Messiah. The one who put on skin. He didn't come as an adult in a glowing robe on a mountaintop speaking the Sermon on the Mount at first. He chose to become a newborn babe and be born vulnerable and weak and helpless to join us. John says in chapter 1, verse 14, that Jesus tabernacled among us. That, that is actually the word in Greek, tabernacled. You'll see made his dwelling among us, lived among us. Those are all fine. But the word John uses, tabernacled. This place of worship, this place of holiness that was uh, revered and, and sacred became infused in a human body, became infused in a walking, breathing man who got tired and hungry and sore and irritable and cranky. He did. He cried as a toddler. He was, he was two, right, at one point. And we know what two-year-olds are like. He, he, was, he was throwing fits. He was. Um, so Jesus became fully human to become one of us, to save us and be Uh, one of the human race. He is the way back home. We've all wandered from true north. We've all gone and sought a different path. 
Maybe we're on that pastoral day. Maybe you haven't come back to True North yet. We are all uh, spiritually kind of seeking and have gone off the path at one point. And I come back to Luke 15 where we have three parables. We have a shepherd who leaves the 99 to bring back the one. We have a woman who's sweeping the floor of her house to find the lost coin. We have a parent on the porch waiting, looking out to see when the child will come back home. And those parables tell me the heart of the father is to await and pursue those who are lost, to draw, draw them back into the way back home, the way to true north. And Christ is also the fifth thing. He is the resurrected king. He is the one who went to the cross, to the tomb, and then to the sky. And God led him back to heaven with him. And we believe and we see at the end of time in Revelation 5-7 through that the tribes, the saints, the elders all gather around the throne of Jesus and they sing songs like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to bring honor and glory and power and wisdom and majesty and praise and thanks be to our God forever and ever. And this song is being sung by every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And we want to see all people brought to that end time moment where the, the resurrected king is worshipped by all who, who have gone before. And so Jesus is the main course of this meal. He is the main thrust of missions. He is the reason we go. He is the banner we carry into the world. But after the main course comes dessert, right? And this is the reason you eat the salad and the main course is justify eating this decadent delightful, delicious, those are all D's, dessert, that's a D as well, that just kind of happened. Um, and so I was thinking about what would be really sweet to the heart of God, what would make God's heart fill with delight, and I have to think it's people coming to him and having every child brought back to the fold, every lost son, every prodigal daughter, every wandering child to be returned to his care. I think that would make the heart of the Father thrilled, overjoyed, and delighted. And that's where the church comes into play. How will they know if we don't go and tell them? How will they hear if we aren't sent to go? We had a team went to, to East Asia, and they said, do you know Jesus? And their response was, what is that? Not who is that, but what is that? That should hurt our hearts a bit to know that people out there alive today in 2021 don't know that Jesus was a person or is a person. So we're, we stand as people wanting to go and fill that gap to take people God's word who don't yet have it, who don't know of his saving grace. So in the end, we know every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, and we stand ready that no one would miss that. I think God wants no one to miss that moment, right? He wants everyone to come to repentance and come back to him. And so we stand thinking, who in my life is missing that? Is there a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a relative, someone across the ocean that needs to hear about this Jesus, this sweet dessert that brings people back together and unifies them in the power of Jesus? So we come back to Psalm 38 where it began in the very beginning uh, taste and see the Lord is good comes from a place of pain and brokenness. It says, I sought him, I cried out to him, 
and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. This idea of taking refuge really compelled me because you don't take refuge on sunny days, right? You get the picnic blanket out, grab the Frisbees, grab the kids, the pet, whatever. You go enjoy the day. You go experience the sunshine. You take refuge when life is windy and stormy and cold and rainy and when life is is a swirling mass of chaos. I want to show you a painting today by Rembrandt. This is his Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee painting. And whether you're an art person or not, I hope this painting will kind of show you some things. Just kind of see what you notice about the painting for a few minutes here. Just look at it and see what stands out in this, in this image. Some things that grab me are the fact that the sky is clear in the upper left of the painting. The entire sky is not dark. This storm is not everywhere. This storm is not permanent. It will end, and the boat is going toward the light. The boat is even pitched up off the wave, heading into the storm, away from the storm, into the light. The storm will pass. There is hope on the horizon we see in the upper left. I notice the disciples are kind of in two different groups. You've got the group on the left, again, pulling on the ropes, working with the sails and the mast, trying to get things under control. How many times do we try to control the storm, or control things and get them under our power. We're going to fix this. We're going to get in there and do this ourselves and bring it to a calm state. We're going to make peace happen. And often the storm just rages and the storm may be laughing at us as we try to, to secure the ropes and the sails of the storm just whips and tosses and turns. Well, on the right of the painting, you've got the other half of the 12 around Jesus, waking him up, saying, Lord, we know you can stop the storm. Stop, please make this cease. Make the wind and waves calm. We want you to, to act. Do something, Lord. They're probably saying, like, make it happen. And they're pleading with him and looking for him to, to take this action. Well, this painting, for those who have looked, has an Easter egg. Let's zoom in here once. You did, yes. Thank you on Jesus. Um, you see these group, the group of disciples. There are actually 14 people in the painting. Jesus and the 12 makes 13. Zoom in one more time. One more Zoom, uh, please. Yeah, there we go. There's a figure at the feet of Jesus praying. Many people think Rembrandt put himself in this painting to say, when life gets stormy, I know where to go. I want to be at the feet of the Messiah. When the waves and the wind and the storm howl around me, I don't want to try to fix it myself. I want to go and kneel and pray and find a quiet place in the storm. And part of missions is inviting people in the world who are looking for meaning and purpose into this space. There is a place of goodness, a place of calm, a place of peace. It's only at the feet of Jesus. It's not in the world, not in your money, in your career, in your marriage, in your politics, in whatever. It is only at the feet of the Messiah. And so missions is sending. We still send. Let's not stop that, of course. We still go. But missions is inviting people to at least four things. To a life that matters. The things we look at in the world that that offer meaning and purpose are, again, so fleeting and so temporary. You know, you, you, 
you work for money, you get money, you make more money, and it's gone, it's spent, you want more money, it's just a cycle that never ends. You follow sports with passion, your team wins it all, the next day your life is basically the same. The things of the world just don't offer what Jesus can. We, all, we also bring them to a place that matters. I still believe in the power of sacred space in churches. I believe that what happens in this building is important and matters before God. The people coming and worshiping and having communion and hearing the word and having the word read and having fellowship and, and these things, what happens in church buildings matters. We might be able to a place that matters and a community that matters to, to find belonging and, and camaraderie and friendship and forgiveness, to have people that really accept them for who they are and know their faults and their hangups and still hug them and love them and walk with them. Invite them to a view of themselves that matters. So many people look in themselves and don't like what they see. They look inside and, and they don't like their body, their mind, they don't like the way they're put together, they don't like the, who they are, and there's so much self-hate and self-harm and self-loathing in the world. And the gospel is better than that. The gospel is you are uniquely loved and made. You are God's son or daughter. He loves you with all his being. You are beautiful, you are handsome, you are exactly who he wants you to be. And people need to hear that. And they won't hear that from the world, they hear it from you, from the church, from me, from us, that you are made in the image of God. Your very life is sacred. Who you are is holy. Your life can be an offering of praise to Jesus, your King, who made you. And so we want to taste and see ourselves how good the Lord is so that we can invite others in to taste and see his goodness. And so missions, we go, we send, we invite to the place of peace, the place of purpose of Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your gospel of truth that has changed and is changing me and us. I pray you will let us reflect you well in the world. You will shine through our cracks and radiate out through our broken places. God, you would be fully evident that every eye that sees us would see you. Every ear that hears us would hear you. Or every life we touch would be touched by your hand. Lord, thank you for the gift of the gospel. We carry it like a treasure. It is precious and, and beyond measure or value or worth, Lord. So thank you for the gift of the gospel. I pray that we will uh, stay on mission with you and, and go to those deeper places, Lord, and, and follow where you lead us individually as a church. You would just show us, Lord, where you would want us to go and how you want us to live. Lord, thank you for this place, these people, for your love, for being the God who is truly good and calms the storm and gives us purpose and belonging and a view of ourselves or like nothing else. Thank you for who you are, we pray, Lord, in your name. Amen.